We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Day. It's at the Lamb Show, as you can find me. Joining me now, my guy, all the way from Wisconsin, Packer Nation. A little devastated, but he's here. Taryn, what up? What up, man? It's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting interesting weekend and uh, draft process for us over here in, in Packer land. But, you know, we got to make the best of it. Okay, I feel as if if we go in chronological order... From the start of the draft until the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant. Nobody dominated the headlines more than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah. Did we see this coming? Was this a shock to your system as a Packers fan? Where the hell did this (laughs) news transpire from? So it did come as a shock. Not that he has issues with the organization because there's been a couple times over his career where, you know, there's been a little bit of beef or what's perceived as beef. Um, And I understand it quite frankly. However, on the day of the first round, it getting leaked and it being so severe, like basically him refusing to come back and play that I was not expecting that it's a little wild to me. Has there ever been a situation like this in in football where a guy just comes off a 
I mean, I feel like it's safe to say a career year or, or one of his best seasons of his career, considering the fact he won MVP. The Packers are in back-to-back NFC title games and they lose. Sure, we know all about how last year, the 2020 NFL draft, their first three picks were quarterback, running back. I forgot who the third pick was. Fullback, tight end, hybrid. Josiah DeGuara. Right, which is why I forgot why that was <laughs> exactly. the third pick. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a, I wouldn't call it a running joke, but there has been a a joke on VM how for about two years, I've been fantasy booking wide receivers like Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller, Emmanuel Sanders going to Green Bay, because I feel like that's the kind of wide receiver that they need opposite of a guy like Devontae Adams. For the record, if I sound drowsy, if I sound like my nose is clogged up is because it is the allergies have been scoring 10, eight rounds on me the last couple of weeks. But back to the back to the Packers. We knew about all that stuff. We knew about him not being happy, but then he turns around and has a season that he has. Why on draft day does this come out? Man, that's a good question. Um, I think that it, it. I'm of the opinion that he's had issues with the GM Brian Gutekunst since pretty much the jump because I know that they haven't been that close. um, And I know he's very close with Matt LaFleur. I think it doesn't help that over whether it's free agency or whatever, we are the only team one of, of all 32 teams that added nothing. It's, it was a net negative for our free agency and bringing in outside free agents. We didn't sign or add on a single person, didn't bring anybody up from many practice squads, nothing. We only lost them. I know he was really tight with Corey Lindsley, who was the best center in football last year, and we let him go so he could extend a running back. So I, I think it seems kind of just like a last straw sort of thing. We've been so close for two years in a row now, and it doesn't look like there's any effort to get better in the now they're not willing to mortgage the future. And that's kind of been our franchise's MO for a while. They, they really don't mortgage the future to try to win now. And when you're a 37 year old quarterback, often MVP just inches away from two Super Bowls when you've only been to one, I can see why that is frustrating. We've, I know I've brought it up to you in the past, but there was that one year in the early 2010s that the Packers went to an NFC title game and that whole offseason was how everyone was praising how great the Packers do in-house building talent. How I think of the 53-man roster, only like maybe Charles Woodson or or like um, or like uh, Julius Peppers, right? Mm-hmm. Julius Peppers was, I'm not bugging, right? Yeah, yeah. like it was like, only uh, Charles Woodson and Julius Peppers were like the only non-drafted Packer players. And everyone was like, oh, my God, Packers, what a great organization building from the from the inside out, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, that's cool. But if you look at the history of the league, you need free agents to come in. You need to bring in guys from other organizations. And it, it's fine and dandy when it worked. 
But then over time, you need to bring in these guys. A hundred percent. I mean, there are teams that have the opposite issues that they can't draft worth a damn, but they do a good job bringing in either high profile free agents or valuable free agents for their contracts. And we're just the opposite extreme. It's really nice being able to draft and develop um, guys in the building and, and have that be your base. I think that's how it should go, but clearly you you need just all aspects of team building to be able to get over the hump and they just seem to be uh very anti doing that so if we're looking at the packers one guy that kind of jumped jumped up in my mind was aaron jones a guy who i feel like could have gotten more money if he tested free agency and decided to come back to run it back with the packers again look he got paid We've been adamant about how we feel about paying running backs. The Packers did that. And a guy like that got to be a little salty here. Do you feel as if Aaron Rodgers is betraying some of his teammates by doing something like this? It depends on kind of the result. Because another thing is we don't know exactly what's being said and to whom and how much is being said. I think that he's really close with a lot of these guys and a lot of them only have glowing stuff to say about him. He gets a bad rap as a teammate in the media because there's been two guys. It's always Greg Jennings and whoever the other clown is that always just rag on him in the media. Um, But I I don't know. Like, apparently this has been going on all summer, and I've still been seeing him. He's been hanging out with David Bakhtiari. He was working with Devontae Adams. So I'm not sure what to make of it all. It's possible there are probably some guys, more of the fringe, like less star players, that could feel a little hurt by it. But who knows? You know, I was joking with you when we did the live stream on Twitch about how Devontae Adams is a free agent after this season. You know he's going to ball out this year if there's no extension because he wants to get paid next year. Not having Aaron Rodgers there is going to hurt his production. So is it a stab to the back for the teammates? Probably. I think some of them will be salty about it, and rightfully so. But then again, I think some will understand that Rodgers is on the back nine of his career, though he had a monster season last year, and they haven't really done anything to help address some of the issues that they have offensively. And I know they've gotten production from like Alan Lazard and and MVS, but imagine how much better his numbers would have been if MVS didn't drop nine or ten walk-in 50, 60 yard touchdowns as well. So I think with the Packers, man, it was funny to see it transpire the way it did. I think in a battle between GM versus star franchise all-time talent quarterback, the all-time talent is going to win and should win. And if it's not Packer fans should riot. (laughs) And I know I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be uh, encouraging acts of violence, but in situations (laughs) like that, it'd be kind of justified. So I, I feel for the Packer fans who have been spoiled by quarterback play the last 30 years, having Favre and then having Rogers with the exception of a couple of seasons where Rogers got hurt. That only added more to the mystique of Aaron Rodgers and to his power that you saw how bad it was when he wasn't there. And look, man, this is a team that was on the cusp back-to-back years. And if you are Aaron Rodgers, you're just looking at 
what happened with Brady. He leaves New England, his foundation, goes to the team that had a lot of talent built in, and then what do they do in last year's draft? Their first pick, they trade up and get worse, which was a home run. And then even like during the season, they add Leonard Fournette, right? They add Antonio Brown. They added Gronkowski last year. So they're like, yo, look, we have a talented roster. We feel as if quarterback is the only thing holding us back. So come on here. You got Evans. You got Godwin. You have a defense that we were kind of chomping at the bit saying, yo, their defense is not bad. It's just that like their front seven is legit. Their secondary is a little suspect. Uh, Antoine Woodfield Jr. They bring in in the draft last year. And then you see what it should be like for a veteran quarterback. So Rodgers is probably feeling the same way. Though Brady's contract was over with New England, which is the big difference between this Rodgers and Brady situation. But then also you look at the teams that he was quote unquote linked to or wanted to go to. San Fran, loaded roster. Denver, loaded offensive weapons. So I, uh, I'm going to side with Rodgers on this one if I had to pick one or the other. Yeah, I mean, so am I, which might not be a big surprise to people that know me. But it's just uh, – and I have one thing to say to your other point, which is the, the thing that scares me, is I agree completely what you said. If it's GM over or, or like star, like first ballot Hall of Famer, just come off an MVP franchise quarterback – for the most part, I think the quarterback should – that should be the winning side of this um, and usually would be. That worries me with the, with this organization in particular. They they play hardball. It showed, they showed it with Favre. Now, we lucked out that we had Rodgers, but they, they usually don't screw around with that kind of stuff. So it will be really interesting to see where he goes. I would be shocked if we traded him anywhere. He, he either plays or he retires in my mind. Yeah, there's also that contract kicker where they can't get rid of him until June 1st. And then even if they do, it's like a $35 million cap hit Yep, for the Packers. I know another player that's in that situation is Julio Jones with the Falcons. How if he gets traded before June 1st, you're talking about a monster cap hit. So, look, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, let me put you on the spot, man. Is Rodgers taking snaps for the Packers in 2021? I'd say it's about a 60-40, and I with a slight lean towards yes. I think he plays for us for at least another year. Hmm. You know, uh, what do you think of this? Last thing on this situation, what do you think of this Jeopardy buzz? Apparently, he, he, he's been a lifelong fan of Jeopardy. Oh, he yeah. did that hosting a couple of weeks ago, and word was nobody had anything negative to say about it. He loved it. He loved doing it. And I was actually I was actually talking to my mom about this because she asked me when I went home for the weekend for Easter. She's like, hey, what's up with the Packers? And I was just like, hold on. <laughs> what happened to my mother? This is Matt Random. <laughs> and she's telling me how she thinks that he's not going to play anymore and her logic behind it is yo he could he can be the host of jeopardy for the next 30 years and she's like because my mom watches jeopardy she said that he was amazing at it and like he was a natural fit Mm -hmm. and then she got me thinking like 
damn. Sometimes you're so close to the situation, you don't try to connect the dots. But in a way, man, you know, it's like it's like with uh, with Tony Romo, right? For example, Tony Romo left and he knew he had this job in the booth for the foreseeable future. Could be the same thing with Rodgers, no? I think I've seen a lot of that, too. I think it does play a factor. I just think it's a little bit smaller than people think. It's more of a more of a big picture thing. I think Aaron in general is a lot deeper of a person than football different than like a, a Brady or like a Favre, those type of guys. I feel like they eat, sleep and breathe football. And even though Aaron loves the game, he's still a Cali boy. He loves going and doing shit in Hollywood, whether it's guest starring on game of Thrones, the hosting jeopardy, which I know he's been a lifelong fan of and is a big part of his life. So I think it's a part of it just that in his mind, he doesn't feel like he needs this. So worse comes to worse. He's got a safety net there, but I don't think it's a sort of thing where it's like he wants to do that so bad that that's the reason that he's making a fuss now. Okay. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm. Uh, I-, I was fascinated by this story as the whole sports world really was, and not to see him at the Kentucky Derby just kind of just chilling, not a care in the world. It's going to be fun to see how this plays out. Okay, I want to talk now about the draft. And I don't know, Taryn, if we're going to go pick by pick and whatnot. We're going to be doing a lot of jumping around. Just a heads up, ladies and gentlemen. Just be prepared. But I want to have fun with these conversations. Sure. So I want to do like takeaways, surprises, the whole nine. So with every with every pick, with every conversation, let's just specify in the beginning what we think of that. So... I want to start off with my team, the New York Giants. Okay. Takeaway, surprise, shock, all three in one selection, in one move, I should say. So I think it really starts with what Miami did. Miami took Jalen Waddle. As the weeks were closing in on the draft, he's the wide receiver that I wanted the most. The reason why, and I'm going to speak on your behalf for this one, because we've mentioned this conversation many times. He's the most unique wide receiver in this draft. As far as none of the guys are as fast as him and his speed is outrageous compared to everyone else's a lot of Tyree kill comparisons. So I just started thinking like, yo, as a Giants fan, we throw Tyree kill in there. Fucking sign me up. So he goes sixth and then a chain of events transpire. The Cowboys and Eagles make a trade, which was a shock because in-division teams rarely make a trade because it's to spite the other, right? The Cowboys didn't make their pick. I think also the Cowboys were open to making that trade because the two corners that they had their eye on went right before that. Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn. So Dallas trades back and they still go defense and Micah Parsons. Devontae Smith is the pick that the Eagles make in the trade up with Dallas. So now you have three wide receivers go in the top 10, Chase, Waddle, and then Devontae Smith. The Bears pick up, trade with the Giants, who Gettleman in his career as a GM has never traded back of any pick, not even like the seventh round. Like, that's not his MO. So that's shock number one. I'm going to skip over fields because we're going to talk to him in a little bit. The Giants at 20 take Kadarius Tony. 
Okay. This is my issue with it, Taryn. Mm-hmm. Based on the trade out from 11, based on the wide receivers that went before the Giants had their pick, it was evident that the Giants were going to go wide receiver with that pick. I feel as if they were stubborn and they still continued to leave the draft with a wide receiver, despite the guys that they wanted not being there. That's where I got frustrated. Tony reminds me of Tavon Austin, bro. Um, and I don't Tavon Austin is dope if he's like your sixth round pick, but you're basically, in my opinion, you're drafting a guy who's going to see Miko Hardman-like targets and a Miko Hardman-type player. Now, it's cool if you're the Chiefs and you make that pick of Miko Hardman because your offense is already stacked. When you're a team like the Giants who, on paper, your offense is dope, but there's a lot of issues when we watch them play, that's the issue that I have with the Giants pick of Tony. Yeah, I, I think that's justified. I agree. I had a very similar thought as to your what what you pointed about out about their methodology there. Like we want a wide receiver. Our guys got taken, but we're, you know, we're still taking a wide receiver. It's in their situation, it's like it's tough for me to be critical about adding a weapon of any sort, but I agree. I don't think the value is there. And if you're gonna take one, that's the guy where it's like. I just don't see the fit. I feel like he's, like you said, not going to see the field as much as some of these other guys that were available. And then there was other ways to help your offense. Like three picks later, the Vikings take Christian Derisaw, who's a fantastic offensive tackle. And, you know, there's, there's other things like that that you could have done. It was just a big question mark to me. At least, at least he traded down. I mean, at least you got some extra capital. But other than that, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Yeah, so the Giants did pick up a first-round pick next year from Chicago. Now, only the Eagles have more draft capital in 2022 than the New York Giants, which is dope. Now, I asked you when we were on the live stream, who are the quarterbacks coming out next year? Because if you're the Giants, with everything that you've done for Daniel Jones this offseason, it's make or break for you, big dog. Mm-hmm. You can't, there can't be any more excuses. They spent big money in free agency on a wide receiver. Your first round pick was a wide receiver. And let me ask you this question, Taryn. I don't know if I've asked you this, but I talked about it with Allen a couple of weeks ago when we did our mock draft. Do you feel like teams try to justify a bad pick at quarterback by dumping a lot of assets to help him improve, even though they deep down might know that that pick was fucked up? And that pick being the quarterback? Yes, I, I definitely think teams do that, especially when they're taken high. Mm. Like a top 10 pick at quarterback. I mean, or if you trade up to get a quarterback, I, I can see that, which it's tough to distinguish because I also think that's the right course of action. You want to throw as many assets at that so you can see what you have. But yes, I totally see what you're saying, where it, sometimes it just seems like we got to we have to make this work, which may just, you know, hemorrhage you in the long term. Yeah, because I think of a couple of situations where. The Giants being one, the Bears being another, 
the Bills being another, but with the Bills, that turned out to be the right course of action because Josh Allen was an MVP candidate last year. So I do think that teams do that. And I don't know if that's the right decision, but I do know that the the excuses are out the book, uh, like out the window now if you're Daniel Jones and you don't perform. So with the Giants having two first round picks next year, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this transpires and what happens with the New York Giants. Uh, a lot of weapons for him to be successful. So we're going to see. Um, all right. Give me give me a draft picker, a team you want to talk about. Ooh, um, you want to talk highly of someone or talk negatively of a team? Uh, no, nah, but well, your your decision, man. I'm open for whatever. Okay. I kind of want to talk about the Broncos. Okay. Because as much as I like Patrick Sertan as a player, when you're picking where you are. And there are two quarterbacks. I mean, Mac Jones is whatever you think of Mac Jones, but even also Justin Fields, we haven't talked about yet, is available. And you elect to go another corner? Which you have already in place, probably the deepest secondary in the league. Right. Kareem Jackson, Fuller, Darby. um, Oh, the safety is escaping me right now. Simmons. Yep. So it's like, that's not really a need, bro. You're, you're adding to a strength. And if you think about it from a division standpoint, kind of makes sense. Sure. Going up against Herbert, going up against Mahomes. Even like the Raiders got some shady weapons that I like. So you're, you're building to beat your division. So I get it from that standpoint. But man, I agree with you. That was a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, it's and, and I'm usually not one to criticize loading up on corners because I think it's one of the most undervalued positions in today's NFL, as far as the teams go, but man, you had two quarterbacks there, including a guy in Justin Fields who not even like just trying to even put my own uh, like scouting aside consensus is like third quarterback on the board at least. And so you're hitching your wagon to they're either doing what you were just talking about with drew Locke where Mm. I'm of the opinion it's quiet. It's clear already that you should have moved on when you were in the position to. Um, And you might know that too because you went out and got Teddy B. So they're either doing that with Drew Locke or they believe Teddy B can take him the distance. And do you really really believe that? Can you really believe that? We've seen so much Teddy B already. Can you really believe that? He's not terrible, but come on. And I think their roster's too good that they're not going to be picking this highly again for a while. And they've put themselves in that like mid tier quarterback hellscape of not being able to take a guy. You know what Teddy Bridgewater is? It's the, it's the Alex Smith, Kirk cousins. Yeah. Where what I mean by that is those guys are fine until you take a step back and you play the chiefs, you play the chargers, you play the Packers, you play, you play you play the Cowboys, bro. Like you play a you play a team that got a quarterback with the weapons, and you're like, damn, our guy isn't on that level. Yep. And that's exactly what I what I think of Teddy Bridgewater. Like he's very okay, but you know, like what the ceiling could be. Cause we've seen it for, for seven, eight years now. Yeah, yeah I, I agree hundred percent. So that one that was a big head scratcher for me. I feel for Broncos fans because now that roster is too damn good to be picking in the top 10, even with a Teddy B 
in in the near future here. So I'm not sure what they're going to do going forward. Yeah, and then if you just look in the second round, they take a running back. And like <laughs> you have Melvin Gordon there. You you had Philip Lindsay, who I liked, and they kind of just yeah, man. I don't uh I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe they're just I don't know. You're adding to a strength, which is dope. But then again, it's it's weird. It's a weird situation there. Um, I want to talk about San Fran because okay. everybody was penciling in Mac Jones and I bought into that hype, too. But man, what a swerve by Shanahan and the Niners. Mm hmm. And yeah. as as it was draft day, bro, I just thought to myself how if you're going to give up that much for a quarterback and you're going to take this risk, it can't be for a Mac Jones. Yep. Like you need to take a stab on a guy who has drawn the comparisons that he has to elite level guys and to such a such a project. In Trey Lance. And the reason why he's a project is because he didn't play last year with the exception of one game. And I don't know if you knew this, bro, but he only did that so he can invoke the scholarships for his teammates. Yeah. Because the team wasn't going to suit up until he was like, nah, yo, we're going to play a game. And he did that because he wanted his teammates to get their scholarships put in place because they were going to lose their scholarships for that season. Mm hmm. So that goes to tell you the kind of guy that he is, number one. Number two, he has all the tools. You know, I sound mad draft cliche guy over here. But I felt like, yo, if you're going to make a, a, a move like that, it got to be for a guy like Trey Lance. And I'm happy that they took a stab on that. Yeah, I agree. They gave up. I, I sort of fell into the trap, too, because it made a little bit of sense. With the Mac Jones stuff, people saying like Kyle Shanahan knows all he needs is a even if it, he just ends up being a game manager type guy, that's all he needs. He already made a Super Bowl with a guy like that. Um, but I agree when you give up as much as you did and you're going to hit your wagon to someone, it's uh, you you've got to shoot for the moon on that. And even though I, I'm a little surprised it wasn't again it wasn't Fields, but that that is the shoot for the moon prospect of these first round guys. It's Trey Lance because you're either going to, you're going to know pretty quickly. It's not going to take very many seasons to know if he's starting to, de to develop. Um, Cause we just haven't seen him in, in college. So he, he could be the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes type quarterback with the, uh, with the cannon and all the stuff outside of structure and his athleticism is never talked about enough. The dude can move. They can do a lot of fun stuff with that. Um, or he's going to flame out and, you know, but you'll figure it out. Yeah. You, you know what else they did that I kind of liked? They took uh, the running back from Ohio State, Trace, uh, Trace, Trace Sermon, Sermon. Yeah. a little bit later. Another another team that seems like they don't really care who the running back is. They can make, you know, they made Jarek McKinnon a thing for a little bit. Um, uh, obviously, we know about um, a Mostert. Tevin Coleman has shined also. Even like Jeff Wilson Jr. was like starting in fantasy league playoff games as well. So and now you get a third round pick, which it wouldn't surprise me if he if he's like one of the more productive rookie running backs. If they give him the nod 
or if like week five or six are like, yo, he's going to be our starter. He'll be number one on everyone's waiver wire. He'll be the talk of the town in fantasy shows. And I think he's going to be solid because of that offense. Um, okay. I know I just talked about the Niners. Uh, another team I want to talk about is Cincinnati because I like Jamar Chase. I thought when I would watch that LSU team from a couple years ago, that Chase was better than Jefferson. And then to see Jefferson do what he did with Minnesota, arguably should have been rookie of the year, in my opinion, in 2020. I like it. I'm a little worried that it should have been offensive line there with Sewell being there. Because if I was a GM, bro, or if I was a scout and they're like, hey, do we go wide receiver or old lineman? You know what I'm doing, Taryn? I'm taking that picture of Joe Burrow's <laughs> scar. That up. And I'm going to just like plaster it on the wall and be like, yo, y'all see that? Yeah, we're taking old line. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I And I think that's um, a common sentiment. A lot of people were ha- have been feeling that way. I think they can't lose with that pick. You get Sewell, you get a franchise tackle. Great. If you take Chase, I think you have a franchise number one wide receiver. I, however, was I, I am team Chase. I get your argument. I think that he was just just too good to pass up on there. They also had a lot of injuries along the offensive line. I don't see any, I think it, it would improve regardless if they had taken no line throughout any of the picks, just from, from guys coming back. They brought a couple guys in from free agency. Um, so I think they've made marginal improvements there. And the thing that I keep going back to with offensive lines is you're only as good as your weakest link star players on the offensive line don't do as much for you because you need five solid guys instead of one star left tackle. But then if your right tackles, you know, a turd, it's probably quiet for you regardless. So I think as they work their way back towards average on the offensive line and they did, they took a guy, a guard, I believe in the, in the second, um, I like getting the new, the number one wide receiver who you said again was better than Justin Jefferson on the same team. And we saw what he did and had that, that amazing of a season with Burrow at quarterback. So, you know, the connections there and it's going to work. I, I like the pick, but I see, I see where you're coming from. I just think that your season is going to ride on Riley reef, Riley reef, Taryn, not Riley Reed. Okay. I saw your eyes perk up over there. (laughs) And also Jonah Williams, who's a former first-round pick. So yeah. if you're asking a lot, bro, for Riley Reef, who's been on a couple of teams the last few years. And that's always a concern for me, bro. Yes. Like, yeah, a guy might be super talented, but if you've been passed up on by all these teams so many times, Brandon Cooks, right? People love Brandon Cooks. Why has he been on five different teams in seven years? That's a little concerning for me. So, yeah. Look, Chase is going to be dope. Chase is probably going to be number one rookie wide receiver picked in Dynasty Leagues because the Joe Burrow LSU connection. I will say this. People thought the same thing about Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin. Obviously, though, Joe Burrow is not (laughs) Dwayne Haskins. (laughs) Right. But I'm just saying it doesn't always translate to the next level. Just pursue it. Of course. Um, All right. Give me another team that you want to talk about. Real quick, we don't have to t- spend too long on this one, but I thought it was really interesting, especially after the draft, what I saw from people. Carolina Panthers taking J.C. Horn eighth overall. 
a lot of what I saw was big question marks, not because they didn't need a corner, but because of the type of corner JC Horn is. And I think people are really sleeping on this pick because the Panthers last year didn't play much press man coverage, which is that's JC Horn. You're not drafting JC Horn to drop back into zones the, the whole entire game. It's not his game. I think real quick that the reason they took him is because that's what they want to do. Because if you look back to Troy pride jr. Last year, who's a corner they took the exact same skill set. And he didn't get that much playing time last year because he's playing when they're going to be playing man coverage. And I think that's where they want to move, which is why I love the pick. And I love that philosophy. I also think sometimes you end up stumbling on a player who's going to make you change their scheme because they're so good. Yep. So if JC Horn is the next Darrell Revis type where he's going to be shadowing guys all over the field. And yeah, bro, you're going to change your logic and you're going to change your defensive scheme. Like that's what great players do. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Steelers gave Troy Palomalu at many times in his career, the green light to do whatever he wanted to do. That's because you had a generational player back there. So I think with JC Horn, and you just look at the division, too. You got some stud wide receivers on every team that you're going to play twice a year. So you have to have guys to combat that. So I uh, I thought that the Panthers were going to go corner. And there were a lot of teams that I was spot on on the position that they were going to get. I wasn't spot on on the player. Mm-hmm. But like Miami knew they were going to go wide receiver. Right. Carolina knew they were going to go corner. Um, Bears, I thought they would go quarterback. Didn't think they'd go quarterback like that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. The yes. Bears trade with the Giants. They get Justin Fields. First of all, what happened to what happened from the college football playoff to draft week that made Justin Fields all of a sudden be a bum? As far as what we were hearing on TV. Yeah, dude, uh, it's it's the biggest question mark for me throughout the whole process. I have no idea. I'm just I, I'm shocked. I, I don't know what it is that teams know about him that we don't know. I mean, we we all watched the same games. It's got to be something with interviews like i guess or something of that nature just that sort of those injury report injury uh interviews the stuff that us that were not not actually a part of these organizations don't get to find out i just i I don't even have an idea or a guess it's it's a mystery to me they might have found the most exciting quarterback that they've ever had in their organization (laughs) yeah (laughs) Honestly, I was talking about that with some guys after the draft, um, you know, shout out KB listener, <laughs> Chicago fan, um, like the most, the best or slash most exciting quarterback they've had in the last however many years is Jake Cutler. Mm. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. So I don't think that that is a far off take that uh, he could be that for them. And I, I get the because I was talking with Impy and he said, you know, the Ohio State narrative, right? A lot of Ohio State guys haven't panned out last couple of years. I think this is a very, very big difference because Justin Fields also played multiple years. We're talking about guys like Dwayne Haskins, who was a one year starter. We're talking about a guy like 
Cordell Jones going way back who played like three games and then he lost his job to JT Barrett, who JT Barrett was never going to be a pro quarterback just because he wasn't a pro ready quarterback. He was undersized. He was thin. Like he wasn't a guy where, you know, they're doing the, the general quarterback stereotype, right? Six, five laser rocket arm. Like he didn't fit that. So I liked Justin Fields. I liked him a lot. I think the big winners in that is Allen Robinson. Oh yeah. It's the defense. One of the reasons why I think the defense has kind of underperformed ever since their big run in 2018 is because, yo, they know that they're not going to get anything from their offense. And I think one thing that we don't factor in enough is like they, the psycho, they, the psych, psychological thing of sports where you're like, dude, it happens when you play pickup or some shit. When you play in the park, like, damn, you our best guy isn't here. We're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it's like, you know, when, when we play football on Sundays, I know that my defense could get a stop if I need one. Right, we're gonna score every drive, but in the event that we don't score, we'll be all right. Now, if you're the defense, or you're you're Eddie Jackson, you're Khalil Mack, you're like, yo, if we can get some stops, we could put up some points. And this is gonna sound crazy, but if Rodgers don't play next year, he might be the best quarterback in that division. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you're you're completely right. Um, it's uh, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see how he does, and if. He ends up being as good as a lot of people think that he could be. A lot of teams are going to regret this one for sure. Okay. I want to have fun with this next one. What the fuck was that painting in the Rams house of Roger Goodell? I didn't see it. You didn't see that? No, dude. What are you doing? Let me send it to you right now, bro. There was a, there was a painting, a portrait at the, at the house that the Rams had, the Malibu draft house of Roger Goodell. Okay. And it was Sean McVay on the phone talking, and you could see this painting in the background. And it was hysterical. Was it? I don't know how I didn't see this. <laughs> I'm Here. trying to look it up, and I can't I'm, see it. I'm sending it right now on the Zoom, on the Zoom chat. It's so funny. And then people like went crazy. They put on their aluminum hats and got into their conspiracy shit where it's like, oh, my what? God, he was in on the the no call in the playoff game and all that shit with the Saints. And it was just so funny, bro. I'm surprised you didn't see that, dude, because you're on Twitter the whole fucking the whole draft. Uh, yeah, that is so fucking weird. Why is there a painting of Roger Goodell there? It's got to be him trolling or something. It has to be a troll job. Yeah, there, it has to be. But, yo, what do you make of the Rams not having a first round pick for like five since Sean McVay's been there? Yeah, <laughs> it's tough because, I mean, it's an interesting strategy. They're they're really going for it. Um, the whole win now with established guys and not drafting, but. Well, is it going to work? Like, I, I feel like this is really the last chance they have this next maybe year or two now that they've got Stafford in there where they've really got to tr- try to get a Super Bowl to make it all worth it because it's going to be hard for them to build. You just can't keep kicking the road, the can down the road, especially if you don't have any draft picks. 
it's hard to argue that it's been a bad strategy when they've basically been a borderline Super Bowl contender year in, year out. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say it's a bad one, but it's certainly an interesting one. There are teams that do similar things, but like they're full bore. What the fuck's a first round pick? We don't need those. And that's just very out of the ordinary. All right. Let's get back to business. Um, the Cowboys. Mm. They spite the Giants with the Eagles. And then the Cowboys proceed to take not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six defensive players in their yeah. draft. That's the right course of action that you should have taken because that defense was not good at all last year. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, a lot of the players they took, however, me personally, I thought it was pretty questionable. If I'm a Giants or Eagles fan, I'm happy about a lot of the players they took outside of Micah Parsons. After that, it's pretty quiet. Um, but I do agree with the general premise that our offense is doing it, you know, is fine, assuming we get Dak back and he's okay uh, and we can move forward how the offense was operating. It's the defense that couldn't, you know, stop a fly. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with the the strategy there. Yeah, you know, their offensive line is not as good as it once was. So that was a little of a right. question mark. You know, like if I was them, yeah. I would have taken like Slater. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's certainly not the powerhouse it used to be, and it's not deep. Mm-hmm. There's there's no depth there. So I, I'm also I also was very surprised. You know, first round not going is fine, I guess, because there was some there's a lot of value in the next on day two at those positions, but they still just elected to pass on it. So that'll be interesting. They could be you know one or two offensive line injuries away from the the whole thing coming crumbling down. Okay, speaking of Slater, if I had to give out winners and losers, my number one winner for the draft was the LA Chargers. Okay, so they get the franchise tackle and Slater. And then in the second round, this was the first holy shit, I'm fucking old moment of the draft <laughs> Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. Gets drafted. Like, bro, I feel like Asante <laughs> was playing in 2015. <laughs> when did this fucking guy retire? Asante Samuel, because I felt like he was just on the Falcons recently, bro. He's 40. He's 40 years old. And his last season was in 2013. Wow. Holy shit. And he had yeah. five interceptions in 2012 when the Falcons went to the NFC title game. I remember <laughs> Allen was talking about like, yo, he was fucking really good. You know, most notably, he was an all pro in uh, 2007. Sorry, he was a pro. Yeah, he was an all pro first team all pro in 2007. He decided to not catch that interception on that play by Eli Manning in that fourth quarter, that drive, which a lot of people tend to forget. Like Eli threw a ball literally right to him. The receipt Steve Smith ran the wrong route and mm-hmm. it just like ricocheted off his hands. And he was just looking at his hands like, what the fuck? Well, that's why you play corner. And congrats, buddy. Thank you so much for that play that you didn't make. But then Asante <laughs> Samuel Jr., right? So going back to the Chargers, 
they get their tackle who Justin Herbert, I believe was the most hit quarterback in 2020 or one of the most hit quarterbacks. I'm not sure about that. I know he was the most pressured or one of the most pressured. Okay. Um, so that's probably what it was. It had something to do with like either pressures way, or you know, hits. Same like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> they were getting still, after him. <laughs> yeah. They were getting after him. And then they go ahead and they take a corner in the second round of oh. Samuel's caliber especially when they lose a guy like Casey Hayward. Yep. So I, I just like, they, they could have had no other draft picks the rest of the, the, the draft. And I, I'd still make them my winner. I, yeah, I was, I was touting their praises the, the whole time. I love their picks. Slater is not talked about as much as he should be because Panay Sewell just, you know, takes the cake there, but he's just right just below that. A lot of other drafts, he's the number one tackle off the board. I love it. And then Asante Samuel Jr., man, so jealous. I, I tweeted out right after the pick came out. That is when you look up scheme fit in in the in the dictionary, uh, him to the Chargers, uh that that comes up. And I, I thought it was fantastic. A potential first round caliber corner that is a beautiful fit goes to them in the second i love it there there were, i had three teams that i like i thought clearly won the draft more than any of these other teams and they were one of them my number one probably though is the cleveland browns i don't think the cleveland browns have done something that i haven't liked in like three years i, I i'm a big fan of everything they do and same thing in, in the first round going Newsom corner. I love a great fit, really trying to bolster that secondary. They like what they have on offense. And then my biggest surprise fall of the whole draft, um, Jeremiah Uosu, Uosu Koromoa, we'll just call him JOK, sliding all the way down to where do they even get him at? They took him in the 52nd overall. 52, 52 overall. That's a first round linebacker for me. The most different linebacker in this, I, I liken him to how you compare, um, like how you were talking about Waddle for wide receivers. He is the most different linebacker of this whole group and that we've seen in a while. Um, in what way? In that his ability is similar to Isaiah Simmons last year in so coverage. Versatile. Very, very versatile. He took, uh, he, he wasn't quite as all over the place as Simmons, which is why I think he's having a tough, tough translation to the NFL. His role is like unclear. Jeremiah Wilson Carmoa is a linebacker and it's more clear what his role is, but he did even take some snaps at like slot corner or things like that. And <clears throat> just his ability and coverage while still being able to come downhill and bang is fantastic and i love what they've done over there with that defense and i would be scared if i was the other teams in the afc north of how they're building that thing over there yeah i agree with you on the browns bro i feel like they've done a lot of great things you know they're one of the teams that i'm looking at to win the afc from a betting standpoint hmm. the browns obviously the chiefs and the bills Two of the three, I don't think is a surprise to anyone, but that third team being the Browns, I think you're going to see some regression from Pittsburgh. I still think Cincinnati is a ways away. And Baltimore, 
the Baltimore is always just there, right? They're always going to be in the mix. But look, I had Stefanski as coach of the year last year, and he hit at 14 to one. He won coach of the year. And look, they Baker had a really solid season last year, man. I think he showed the organization that they could win with him. And you still have that two-headed monster in the backfield. You're going to get Odell back. You have a lot of weapons in place for him. And the offensive line is good. So you just kind of spent all your money on defense again. So I like it. I like what Cleveland did. Um, It's going to be fascinating to see how that division plays out, though, because I still think they have some of that stench of being Cleveland. Cleveland, right. From the general public. Uh, All right. Another team I want to highlight and talk, um, just talk about. I'm not really sure what Tennessee is doing. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I felt as if you lost Janu and you lost Corey Davis. I felt like you should have maybe taken wide receiver because I'm – I'm going to be spearheading the A.J. Brown wide receiver one, A.J. Brown receiving yards leader, A.J. Brown over, over, over all props this year just because of the amount of targets that are going to be left to go to him in a way. Um, Hey, I don't like when my prospect has had um, injuries. Yeah. Like Farley has had. And especially when you're a corner. That's a little, that I, I do feel like that was a little bit of a reach. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one for me to digest. Had it not been the injuries, Caleb Farley is CB one for me in this class. He was for like the entire process until I realized he had the micro disectomy or whatever it is. It's like a spinal surgery and he's had two. And from what I know of them, it's an injury that once you have it, it's very easy to re-injure. Um, so I, I was surprised to see him go, even given the talent. But this is kind of the same thing Tennessee did last year with Jeffrey Simmons, mm. where uh, they they just trust the, the – they don't buy too much into the injury bug, I suppose. I also would have liked to see them take the receiver, but I get it. Um, losing a Dory Jackson outside of Bayard in the secondary, you really don't have much going for you there anymore. So I can see taking a flyer on a guy that's this good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not just an injury, but the type of injury specifically is very scary. Um, so I, I guess we'll just have to see how, how it plays out. I, I hope he's able to play because it's, he's an awesome player, super fun. Um, it's just, that that's the kind of injury that even given my evaluation, I probably would have stayed away from. Yeah. Did you hear about how there was a lot of misinformation on medicals because there was no combine this year? Um, not really. So like, not that, not the combine, like because of misinformation from, so there were a lot of players Seven of the 32 first-round picks opted out of 2020 because of COVID. Yeah. And of the notable ones, it was like Chase, um, uh, Parsons. Sewell, I think, did as well. Sewell, Slater. Yep. So 
that goes to show you that if you're talented, teams will take a stab at you. But how many guys do you think fell in the draft? And maybe, maybe some teams got some diamonds in the rough later on in like the fourth, fifth rounds than usual Mm -hmm. because teams weren't properly prepared and properly scouted a lot of these players that held out. Yeah, uh, I could see that it was, it's, it's a really weird year. I mean, well, COVID put a lot of wrinkles into things, just like how you're saying with, I, I could see there being some value in players falling from, you know, imagine the guys that could have been on a cusp of a breakout, like a Joe Burrow only had one year of being what he was and then got taken first overall. There are, I'm sure players that didn't have that opportunity that could have been that, that teams have snagged and we'll be looking back on it. I'm sure. And it'll be easier to tell. You'd be like, Oh, but yeah, look at, look at what he's doing in the NFL. And we didn't get to see him in 2020. Um, And then there's a lot of weird things with athletic testing. Like the pro days simply aren't as trustworthy as the NFL combine because these schools obviously want their guys to get drafted. It looks good on the schools. There's a lot going on, man. It's uh, it was a, it was a strange year, yeah, that's for sure. Okay, I want to talk about the Jets. Okay, I like what they did with their first three picks. Okay, I liked Vera Tucker a lot. When the Giants traded out, I was hoping he could fall. He's a very he's a start now offensive lineman, and you could start him pretty much everywhere but center. It's going to fill a need for the Jets immediately. They get Zach Wilson, who I'm a fan of. They also get Elijah Moore, which I don't know if you saw that video of A.J. Brown talking to him. Yep. You saw it? Yep. Dude, saying a lot if A.J. Brown is like, yo, you're better than me, bro. Because A.J. Yeah. Brown is a problem. <laughs> uh, did you know that his idol and favorite wide receiver ever is Julio Jones? A.J. Browns? Yeah. I did not know that. That's why he wears 11. <laughs> So he's the new Julio for me now automatically because he loves Julio. Okay. They get Elijah Moore. Now, I was kind of trolling the Jets fans because though I like the pick, it was funny that they traded up to get an offensive guard. Yes, I I agree. I I was the same way. I like the player, but um, it could be funny, bro. We could have some fun. Right. I mean, yeah, you're the Jets. (laughs) Like, you got to know you've got. You got places to fill. You need draft capital. You trade up to take a guy that's a guard and could play like anywhere. Like that's one positive, kind of like you said, even center. I think he could probably play all five positions, but 32 inch arms. That's just not something that works pretty much ever. Very rarely is that something you can do at tackle. So they did trade up for an interior offensive lineman. It's kind of like, eh. And I've come around a little bit on I'm I'm a huge Zach Wilson fan, but I was it was hard for me to get excited about him just because of the situation he's going to. And but I don't want to be too hard on them. And I was thinking about this a little bit. I want to know your thoughts. I think Zach Wilson already is going to a better situation than Sam Darnold ever had with them. Oh, that goes by, that, by like a mile. Yeah, on like yeah, you can't even debate that. I mean, coaching weapons line, like it's it's already so much improved. So I I don't think he can be they can be written off quite as easily, or even he can be written off. I actually think he's got a chance. Yeah, look, Corey Davis in the offseason, Jamison Crowder, Mims last year. A lot of people still like Herndon, me being one of them. 
mm-hmm. think Herndon's going to have a breakout because of that stench of Adam Gase not being there anymore. They also take Michael Carter out of UNC as well at running back later on. You slide in Elijah Moore. The Jets went all offense in their first couple of picks, first four picks. And yeah, I, I think you'd be foolish to make the argument that Zach Wilson is not in a better situation than what. Honestly, bro, outside, if you look at like all the quarterbacks taken, I think a lot of them went to good situations. Yeah. And they all have a chance to be successful right away. Yeah. We were kind of talking on the stream like, yo, I kind of like Jacksonville, especially when you look at that division, right? Look at that division. (laughs) What do we make of the Colts? We got to wait and see what's up with Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. I think the talent that was drained out of the Tennessee offense has flown under the radar, and it's not really being mentioned as much because they have A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, but it's like your other wide receivers are Josh Reynolds, and I have to pull up. I have to pull up the depth chart right now. It's Chester Rogers. So like, with a team that defensively was getting smoked, so you got to play with an uphill battle the whole time. Yeah. So and then, yo, it's it's gotten pretty ugly in Houston with Watson. Fred, there's some people saying he might not play for them again. So you're looking at this Jaguars team like, yo, Trevor Lawrence, they might compete for the division. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 <laughs> if he comes in and really, you know, right from the get balls out up to the level that most people think he can be, that would not surprise me too much. I still even I, I agree with you about the Titans that's flown under the radar a little bit. I'm still a fan of theirs. And even as great as um, I almost said Fields again, I've just been talking about him too much. As great as Lawrence is. It's still hard. It's still a hard transition to make. I it it made me cringe to my core that they took a running back. Um, I don't care that they went to the same school. I don't care about any of that. That was like probably my least favorite pick in the entire first round. Um, they could have gotten more to help him there or fix the defense. But I, I agree, they're they're being slept on a little bit, especially in a division that's kind of dog like uh like the FC South. Yeah, they are being slept on, man. And I think I think if he comes in, they can make some noise. They can make some noise. Hey, are you going to give me credit for saying that Etienne was going to go to the Jaguars or are you just going to continue to slander it? I told you that about like a week did out of the draft. you say that? Yeah, I'm trying to find the tweet right now. But I did tell you, and you're like, yo, they're not going to take a running back in the first round, bro. You're an idiot. Well, Dude, you know. I didn't. I mean, yeah, credit where credit is due. I, I knew the Steelers were going to do it. I didn't think the Jaguars would be dumb enough just because you shouldn't do it. Regardless, also, where's love for my boy James Robinson, UDFA guy, I believe, who played very well last year. That's a shame. I don't understand it. But, I mean, yeah, if you, you called it, you called it. Yeah, look, they – um. They did reach, like we did say, we don't like first-rounders and first-round running backs, but it's hard to uh, – that dude is good, man, and him and Lawrence were really dynamic in that backfield together. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, okay, give me another team as we Ooh. start to wind down. Okay, there's one that I have I have been wanting to talk about because it's, it's one that I haven't seen as much, and – Shady, I think they're being under talked about now 
just as far as next year goes in general, where I wouldn't bank on it, but I would like to see the odds. I wouldn't, I could see them winning their division and I don't think you're going to agree with me, but it is a team we briefly mentioned because of one of their first picks. And that is the Miami dolphins, your city. I just have fallen in love with what they're building and how they're building it. I am a big Tua guy. I haven't come off of that yet. He was not in a fantastic situation coming off an injury, making the tough transition to the NFL. Never really got consistent reps with the first team in practice. A lot of people have already started to write him off. I'm not there yet. He now has a lot more health help. The wide receiver group is improving tremendously. The uh, another year with that coaching staff. And then what they've built on the defense too. I kept thinking when they were taking defensive players that they're not like maybe the number one guy on my board, but they're, they're athletic. They're really good. And they're a very Flores Belichickian style player where they know exactly what role they're going to, they're going to fill and how they're going to utilize them and, and just juice the absolute most out of them. And I love what they're building. I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to win that division. The bills are still obviously the favorite. They're going to have the best offense in that division. Um, I don't think the jets are ready yet. I don't think Mac Jones does it for the Patriots or, or Nelson Aguilar or their two tight ends. I don't think that gets them over the hump. I think the dolphins were already close and they take another step on all sorts of different parts of their team. And people are going to be surprised by how good they are. That's another team that's been building the last couple of years and taking it little by little. And I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, I'd probably still lean Buffalo, but Mm -hmm. I could definitely see them as a playoff team for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. Last thing I want to talk about, the Ravens take a wide receiver in the first round, Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Um, uh Uh-oh. What was that about? That was my boy, man. That was my boy all all draft season. That's who I wanted at at 29 for the Packers. So it pains me, but it was a fantastic pick nonetheless for them. Look, this is yet another year that they spend a first-round wide receiver. And, again, I think they're doing what we kind of talked about before, where teams try to justify our first round pick. Not saying that they're trying to justify. I think <laughs> Baltimore is very happy with yeah. Lamar Jackson, but they're doing everything they can to continue to have him hit his ceiling, which, you know, his ceiling is being an NFL MVP. Right. So I liked it. I liked it. It's exactly, they were one of the teams that needed to leave that draft with that position addressed. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you, and it was a great way to do it. I, I'm on the record. I'm not a big Lamar guy, but um, if you're going to utilize his skill set, you do need more of that true number one. Hollywood Brown is, you know, nice to have uh, stretch the field, but you need that kind of do-it-all number one-esque wide receiver, catch radius, route running, the whole package, and that's what Bateman's going to bring for them and hopefully help. Lamar just continue to grow as a player. You mentioned something before about Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. How about this for a Sam Darnold too, just to go back 
Um, Sam Darnold's 2020 versus 2021. 2020. Adam Gase, Frank Gore, Jamison Crowder, Braxton Berrios, Brashard Perriman. 2021. <laughs> Joe Brady, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall Jr., who's a guy I think you should definitely keep your eye on. Number one, he comes from that pedigree, which I think is wide receiver U, LSU, and Alabama. We'll say Alabama to wide receiver U, without a doubt. But this is the first LSU player that Carolina drafts to reunite with Joe Brady. Mm-hmm. And already Sam Darnold has great chemistry with Robbie Anderson. Yo, that's a team that I'm very intrigued by. I'm fascinated by Carolina this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of them. I haven't heard any buzz around them. I'm still a, a Sam Darnold believer. Dude, he's 23 years old. He's younger than uh, Joe Burrow. He'll yeah. be 24 when the season starts. <laughs> that's insane. Like, that's wild. Right. And I'm not ready to give up on a guy like that who has the talent and has been for as bad as he's been, a lot of that, if not all of that, has to do with the organization. Yeah. Um, I've been trying, you know, like holding on to the Darnold belief. Um, it gets harder and harder every year, even given his situation. I know he still shows the flashes. There's one main reason. That, like when you just listed those two teams, the, there's one difference to me that keeps me wanting to believe, and that's Adam Gase. Every time I look at that, I just think of Ryan Tannehill and the difference there. And I'm just like, man, just imagine. Like, we've seen this before already. We've read this book before. He gets away from that, plus with all these weapons. It's you know, imagine, imagine he balls out for Carolina, what the Jets <laughs> would think of that. That's, that'll be a tough pill to swallow. But I, I hope so. I mean, I, I, I root for the kids, so I guess we'll see. Yo, and also, I think that the Panthers went all in on Sam Darnold as well. They yeah. trade Teddy Bridgewater, and then they don't take a quarterback. So that got to be a big confidence boost for him, too, that he's going over there, and he don't got no no competition. Like, the job is his. Right. So they're, they're a team that I'm going to keep an eye on for sure this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good it's a good call. They they could be sneaky good. Okay. Um I'm pretty much I'm pretty much good on the conversation, man. I like how we approached it. There's nothing that we left off. The ones that we did leave off, I guess, were like the obvious ones. Like Trevor Lawrence is not much really to say about that, though we did mention right. it in passing. Um and you know, I uh the Mac Jones call. The only thing I, I wish that the Bears traded up and they took him. That would have been way funnier. Yeah, it um, would have been. I'm with you. <laughs> that would have been hysterical. But now with him going to New England, I think this is like the I think it's like 14 straight years that Bill Belichick takes a player from the SEC. Um, SEC once again, I think it's also 14 straight years that they led the draft and draft picks mm-hmm. like that at conference. So look, I'm not a Mac Jones guy. Yeah, I think he's gonna have a big wake-up call when he realizes that he doesn't have Waddle and Devontae Smith on this Patriots team mm-hmm. because those are guys that went in the top 10 and also a running back that went in the first round. Oh, and also like 
all of the offensive linemen got drafted <laughs> as well. Yeah. Look, I'm not a Mac Jones guy. And I'm not really a fan of him going to New England outside of him being a New England type quarterback, right? Pocket passer, not very athletic. Everyone was making a big fuss of how he looked with the cigar in his mouth like Tom Brady. You see how he was walking too? Did you see that side by side with him and Belichick walking? That's yeah. so funny, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. So look, I'm I'm not a fan of Mac Jones, and I'm gonna stay on that hill. He just look, he fits the mold of the Bama quarterbacks. And I think the talent level is completely different from what he's walking into from what he walked out on. Yeah, I I'm I'm not the biggest Mac Jones guy either. Um I think there's a floor there that can be worked with at the very least. And maybe it gets Cam Newton motivated for them. Uh, but, you know, I sitting Pat and not having to trade up to get him, I still think it's a good pick regardless because you got to do something. You know, it's even, even if he's the fifth best quarterback in the first round, I think first round caliber still probably applies. Um, and when you don't have to give up extra capital, taking a swing on a guy like that, I'm I'm not going to be able to criticize too much, especially with the connection. I don't think Belichick drafts a guy that Saban doesn't give his, you know, to, to doesn't think he could be a starting quarterback for him. All right, let's end up. Let's end with this. Um, who do you think right now, if you had to pick a team that their upside increased the most, Based off their draft, who would you pick? Their upside increased the most based off their draft. Ooh. Want me to go first since I yeah. posed yeah, the question? Yeah. The first. Chargers. I think the Chargers did, with two moves, did something that could help them out a lot. Uh, protecting their franchise quarterback, protecting my financial investment in Justin Herbert being league MVP, <laughs> and also protecting leads by having a good corner step in and also bro they're gonna get derwin james back it's gonna be big yeah i gotta stay healthy on the field right but that's gonna be that's gonna be gigantic so i think the charges did the most to improve their upside next year okay i like that one um man I, i gotta do i gotta go with the dolphins they had so many picks just players that i think especially on defense brian flores is gonna know how to plug in and improve on all all parts of the field. I think um, Waddle's going to help tools to his development. I think they, uh, they increase their upside the most for me. Well, there you have it. Tearing you to man. Thanks for hopping on. Thank you, man. It was fun as always. Tell the people where they can find you. Uh, It's just going to be at Taryn Caravella on all, uh, all social media. At Veterans Middle Moments, where you can find everything for the show. Support for the show comes from Patreon, patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. I forgot to upload the six-pack with Agent Chris last week. I will have it up by the time you guys hear this podcast with Taryn. Um, Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already, youtube.com slash Veterans Minimum. And that is it. That is all. Catch you guys next time.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.